You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Thanksgiving is in one week. I, I know I didn't need to remind you. That's actually me saying aloud so that I will remember. Because, uh, you know, you hit Thanksgiving and then it's just a super slide right into Christmas. But anyway, welcome to the program. It's Matt and Lars Noah's at the control. Appreciate all of you joining us. And, of course, you can dial us in at any time during the show and just uh, hit the digits, 205-342-9904. Lars, do you get SEC Plus or ESPN Plus? Uh, no, I do not. Well, then you can't watch the Alabama game. You know that? <laughs> I guess I went through much of this week and leading into this thinking it was just going to be on, you know, the SEC network. Uh, it is not. It is on SEC Plus and ESPN Plus. So what's a man to do, especially with his kids running around the house, throwing stuff at your TV? Well, I still am contemplating uh, embarking on the suicide mission and uh, taking all three of them to the game on Saturday. But uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see. I've been advised against it by many people. Uh, but uh, if I can uh, if I can somehow secure a rock star parking pass, uh, I'm gonna you know I'll go for it. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. I know my kids want to go. And uh, I know it would be a, a, a fun uh, 45 minutes in the stadium if we do go. <laughs> so let me read into this. Have you already mentioned it to him? Yes. Yeah. Okay, it's over. You're gone. You're, you're yeah. going. Okay. <laughs> the backlash you will receive by not going is going to be far more adventurous than taking them over there. So uh, I plan on going as well, so I'll see you over there. Right. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and and the cool thing is, like you, you just want to f- have these experiences with their with your kids when they're young, not just for being in the moment, but I'm and I'm all about living in the moment. But then it becomes like a, a this thing that you talk about, you know, and you reflect upon, and and you bring up in conversation, and it it gives you just sort of more. It just you know not as if the bond needs to be tightened anymore between father and son and father and daughters, but it just uh, adds a, a richness, right, to uh, the relationships. And so uh, hopefully we can do it, uh, and uh, we'll see. We'll see. I'm, I'm a little trepidatious. Again, I, I've taken them to, uh, to Birmingham Stallion games with you. You, but see, the thing is, I'm not gonna have I'm not gonna have Matt Coulter to to help here, you know. Uh, so we'll. Uh, I mean, and you've seen them at at, at, oh, yeah. at uh, Stallion Games. They're they're good for the most part, but um, you know, they're also accustomed to like luxury suites when they have gone before with other people. And uh, you know me, I'm I'm a man of the people. Like we're sitting in the nosebleeds in the end zone, and so. Uh, I yeah. see. Titans and the Bengals. Uh, yes, yeah, very last row. Bengals play tonight. We'll have to talk about their Yeah, really big game. Uh, really big, big game, game tonight. Against the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Two of the better quarterbacks in all the National Football League. And it's great when we have a Thursday night game that isn't a dud, because often they are, but this is... Uh, this is one of the more important games of not just the the weekend, but really of the entire season in terms of how the AFC playoff picture is going to shake out. 
Yeah, it's a crucial game, but boy, you are so spot on. Man, it's Thursday night had some duds. And that, uh, aren't those the games Al Michaels does? Yeah. Yeah, Al Michaels will be on the call tonight. Poor, yeah, he's, he's great, but man. And I think he even publicly said, man, you guys have really given us some duds. No, no. It seems like there'd be a way to avoid that on the consistent basis that it has been. But then again, I'm not the TV master. So we'll see how that works out. Anyway, Alabama is to host the mocks of UTC this weekend. Bama, have you checked the line, Lars? If you haven't, give me a guess. I haven't. Um, 26. Whoa. I don't know. I really have that no idea. Think, that makes me think I misread this. I, I thought I saw 45 and a half. Okay, the, 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 that's probably right. I, I really have no idea because I have not done any research on Alabama's opponent. I, I have to say I've uh, been caught up with other things. So I uh, haven't, haven't looked uh, real heavily at them. Have you? Uh, yeah, I have uh, because it's, it's uh, I find their schedule interesting. Um, they lost to the University of North Alabama, and that's definitely uh, – they are what I call Division Two. I don't know how it fits into the lingo of today's football, but I thought that was – they lost to them, and then they beat Sanford, who's the defending SoCal champion. So um, I don't know. Uh, it's different to – it's, and again, I don't even know how they put a forty-five and a half line on this. And since you're, yeah, it, 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 sorry, it is it is forty-five and a half, and the over/under uh, that I'm seeing is forty-nine and a half. So basically, the the Vegas people are saying it's going to be a, a, <laughs> a what a forty. You're looking at a forty-six 40, to three game. Forty-six to three, yeah. Oh. <laughs> They're not they're they're not believing in Chattanooga's offense, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, from what I'm seeing, that they have three receivers with over over 40 receptions this season, two with over 50, pretty solid quarterback, and uh, they are seven and three this year, and they're a pretty good football team. So that seems like a really high high line uh, for me. Yeah, it just amazes me how close they are. You know, that's one of the higher lines I've ever heard of. Is there a point in which they just cut it off and, and take it off the board? I know they'll do that with injuries and in certain circumstances, but um, I, I've always thought there was some kind of unwritten number in there somewhere that it gets to be too high. They just take it off the board because nobody's betting it or it's not worth the risk-reward on it. Yeah, and um, but I mean, one reason why Alabama lines are traditionally high is because there are a lot of people who gamble in this state, and when that and a lot of people take Alabama regardless, and that is always going to artificially push the spread up a little bit uh, to in Alabama's favor. That's something you need to keep in mind, but. Um, yeah, this seems like a, a, a pretty high line to me just at, at, at first blush. But, you know, I don't like – personally, I don't like gambling on games where the line is is so high because it's a, it can just be a fluke. I mean, it always can be a fluke if you cover or not. But but this really could be – come down to, you know, Alabama's uh, – 
if it's whether or not Tyler Buckner throws a a, a touchdown with ten seconds left, <laughs> right? Like, the, Will they have uh, little props like that on this game. Probably. Uh, yeah, you never know what you can find. But, uh, the only thing I really, really, and I never have bet much at all, much at all. But the only thing I think I did like forty years ago or so is that I occasionally would like to bet the over. Because, man, when the over's over, it's, it's over. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Once they've gone over that number, you could go, you know, go play in the street, do whatever. But uh, they can't. How often? That. That's the thing. Like, I think people are always inclined to bet the over because you want to see scoring. And uh, in in I, I believe in these primetime games, I just read a statistic, these Thursday night games, the under is hit like almost 80% of the time. Because again, people people love to hit the over, and yeah, be, I, I think it's because a you know short week uh, of practice, short week of prep. Um, this game is a little different because you have two opponents who know each other very well, and they already played each other this year. Ravens won by three in Cincinnati, and uh, but that was when Joe Burrow wasn't Joe Burrow. He was he was hurting, uh, obviously. And but now tonight the Bengals are without T. Higgins. They're without uh, uh, Sam Hubbard, uh, a really good defensive end. Um, and it's a it's a it's a banged up group. Uh, uh, Jamar Chase may not be a hundred percent, although you know he wasn't a hundred percent last week with a back issue and still uh, went for over a hundred yards receiving. Um, and for Baltimore, I know they're missing uh, Staley, their starting left tackle. That that could be an issue for them. But um, I think it's it, it's a tough game. We'll get into it in more depth, but I think it's going to be a tough game for Cincinnati. Um, and, but in a lot of ways, it, it's a it's a must win for Cincinnati because they are one and four in the AFC, and you don't want to go to one and if you go to one and five, you're basically going to be losing every single tiebreaker, um, you know, with uh, other teams in the conference for uh, wild card spots and. Yeah, there's still a lot. I mean, we're li- really like right at the midway point of the season. And so it, it seems weird to say for a five and four team that this is a must win. But, uh, given that Cincinnati has a, they got a really tough schedule. Uh, the, the, the easiest part of their schedule was the beginning, but at the beginning of the year, that's when Burrow was hurt and, you know, it started one and three. Okay, there's um, our Cincinnati so, report for the day. Yep. Thank you, Lars. Jeff okay. Burrow's great. Yeah. We all know. <laughs> hey, this is interesting. I'm just telling you, it's an interesting game tonight. It's an interesting oh. game tonight. Hey, let's take a call from Ellison. We'll get our first break in and give you our lineup. Welcome to the show, Ellis. Uh, didn't we lose a very good uh, NASCAR legend? Ken Oh, I actually, to tell you the truth, I have not heard that. Ken Squire was uh, a TV broadcaster, not just on the NASCAR level. Uh, Ken Squire, uh, you know, he could uh, he could announce on many different platforms as far as car racing is concerned. And I don't, I didn't know that, Ellis. When when did yeah, he did. Yeah, it just uh, was uh, announced. Um, just uh, let's see, he died last night. 
uh, 8.20 Eastern Time, 7.20 Central. Uh, it was uh, Dave Moody, right, who's, uh, who uh, put out a uh, tweet about it, his uh, Sirius XM uh, partner uh, and motor uh, MRN uh, uh, announcing partner uh, died when, yeah, so, uh, yes, you're correct. Ken Squire, 88, passed away late Wednesday evening. Yeah, he's run a lot too NASCAR though. But I seen it on uh, Twitter. I still say Twitter. It was a uh, I follow Dale Junior's uh, site on Twitter, so that's when I seen it this morning. Was uh, when I was scrolling through Twitter this morning. So. Yeah, I mean, what a what a um, titan of a figure that Ken Squire was. You know, he founded alongside with Bill France uh, Sr., the uh, Motor Racing Network, in, in 1970. And that set the course for everything the network does to, to this day. And, um, you know, from 79 to 97, as you know this, Matt, he was uh, the lead commentator for NASCAR on CBS and, and did the same uh, for TBS from 83 to 99. So he was uh, the, the voice of NASCAR for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. real long time. Alice, uh, I appreciate you bringing that to our attention because I was not aware. Um, yeah, I, I was it, not it, around him very much but i always had tremendous respect for uh what he did for nascar he was the first inductee into the nascar uh hall of fame as a broadcaster so i think that tells you how everybody in the sport feels about him oh yeah yeah uh and, and he, um, remember he called the uh the famous uh 1979 daytona 500 on cbs uh, to, to that nationwide audience because the East Coast was undergoing that massive snowstorm. And uh, I think fi- about 15 million watched as Squire called Richard Petty's victory as uh, Bobby Allison and Kale Yarbrough <laughs> were uh, trading blows. There's <laughs> more to trade pain after the, after the race. <laughs> that was back when it was NASCAR. Yeah, it's changed quite a bit, hasn't it? Um, yes. Ellis, good call. Thank you for the information. Appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good day. Did you see what happened to Roy McElroy yesterday in Dubai? It's quite funny. We'll talk about that and more as you listen to Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. It has been a gloomy start to our Wednesday, folks, and it looks like for the next few hours we're going to be dealing with some areas of light rain and drizzle that should continue to break up even more as we're heading to the afternoon time. And then more scattered light rain starting to press in for the overnight hours. Gusty with that northeasterly wind for today, gusts to 25 miles per hour. Highs for today, upper 50s. We're going to be pretty much holding into the 50s through the night and then warming to the upper 60s for tomorrow. A little more sun, rain tapering early. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Naramore on Tide 100.9. It's 73 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. 
Call Haley on her cell. Yes, her cell. 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. It is Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter, Lars, Noah's at the controls. Now, on the show in just a few minutes, Kerry Clark from now Town Square Media, a longtime journalist at the University of Alabama and elsewhere. He will be with us. And uh, then uh, at one fifteen, we'll talk a little high school football with Ben Thomas of AL.com. And, of course, then we've got Reagan with R&R to go over the picks. Um, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to that as well. Lars, this is just one of those kind of sidebar stories uh, beneath the fold. But, you know, I think we're both – I know we're both fans of Roy McElroy, But he's playing in a championship in Dubai. And he hits a ball on the par 3 13th. And it somehow ends up in one of the spectators or patrons ends up in their lap. It was a woman who was seated right there beside the green. And, and you know how, Lars, you can sit straight up, your back straight up and both legs extended in front of you. And just kind of cross, cross your knees. This is not Indian style, okay? It's just, you know, just moving, looking forward. And it landed and stuck right between her two knees. And so in a very awkward moment, he goes over and then he looks at the ball. The lady's just standing there smiling, but, you know, sitting there, sitting, sitting, sitting. Uh, but she did the right thing. You know, she did not move. She, so, yeah, that's the amazing thing. Like, she was shrewd enough to stay perfectly still exactly. until Rory reached the ball to make sure that, you know, no rules were broken or anything. Yeah. And then, and then, he, I, then I mean, continue the story, though. Oh, he said, gets he, said, better. he said, referee, referee, and everybody's chuckling and laughing. And so uh, he goes over to the lady and then they... He calls and the official comes over and they say, you just take the ball and then place it beneath where her two knees were. She can get up. So he does that. In the meantime, he helps pick up her purse and all her belongings. And then um, as far as I know, unless he hold out the shot, uh, that's kind of the end of the story unless you have more flavor. Well, no, he he acted like he was going to actually hit the ball oh, yeah, out true. of her lap. Yeah, so – and then the fans just loved it. And, uh, you know, he was just joking around and and um, he was actually unable to get up and down to, to save par. Um, so uh, he ended up getting a, a bogey and uh, – but uh, – but yeah, I mean, it was just a, a really unique interaction, and it—I uh, I love it when you know sports. Sports aren't scripted, right? And so you're just always just sort of reacting to what's happening, and the fact that Rory could could have some fun, uh, and and also I think he just really respected the fact that this fan again was uh, was knew the the game well enough to know, hey, just sit still, <laughs> because your your inclination is going to be like, oh, I gotta I gotta move. Right. And then, like, I don't think anybody told her, uh, you know, what uh, anybody gave her any instructions. She just knew to, to just sit there and be perfectly still. And she was. It's always amazed me and how 
people at a golf tournament, uh, you know, a Rory or a Tiger or a, you know, a JT, hits an errant shot into um, the, the not roped off or the roped out part. And it'll bounce over there kind of among the trees or whatever, and then it'll come to a standstill. And hundreds of people run over just to stare at a little golf ball. I've always wondered why people do that, especially if you're five deep. What are you going to see anyway? Are you checking it? Are they all that interested in the player's lie? Is that it? <laughs> see if it's against nah, the you rock. Just, you just want to better roses. You just want to be. You want to be standing right next to the player when they, um, you know, when they take that swing and and actually just be up close to what it's what it's like to witness a professional golfer hit a shot and because it's it's different than than everyone oh. else i mean it, it just uh professional golf is is one of those sports that's kind of like nascar and that you, you really need to be there in person to fully appreciate the the talent and, and the power that these guys hit with and and uh and just the 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 accuracy and the uh, the creativity in, in their shots it's uh it's really uh something to behold um but matt i did want to just shift gears before we get to uh our, our first guest really quick um it's already mock draft season right it's it's never too early and somebody who i i trust is a is a, a writer named luca easterling uh for si.com and uh i wanted to ask you just who do you think is the first alabama player picked or who do you think the draft expert oh, are going to have as um, the first player picked my first reaction would be Kool-Aid McKinstry. He has Dallas Turner going number okay. seven to the Rams. And interestingly, and I think this is going to be a big debate in the draft, is uh, which quarterback goes number one overall? Is it Drake May from North Carolina or is it Caleb Williams? It's going to be a debate that is just going to be, you know, raging uh, as soon as the season is over. I personally, I think I'd go Drake May. And uh, and Luke has Drake May going number one overall uh, to the Bears. Now, do the Bears give up on Justin Fields? That's a whole nother question. But he has uh, Caleb Williams going number two to the, to the Giants. But, okay, so Dallas... Um, uh, is, is the first Alabama player off the board. Uh, again, Dallas Turner going number seven. And then the, uh, next Alabama player is the guy that you just mentioned. Kool-Aid. Um, yeah, Kool-Aid going 13 to the, the Broncos. And, uh, he's not done yet there. Uh, interestingly, as Bo Nix in the first round, and he has Jaden uh, Daniels going in the first round as well. Um, so a lot, a lot of quarterbacks going in the first round. But uh, then J.C. Latham uh, going at 19 to the Saints. Um, and I do think Latham is going to be a first-round pick. Um, he also has uh, Michael Penix going in the first round. Man, a lot of quarterbacks. And then this is surprising, but 
not surprising, I guess. Uh, Terry on Arnold going 23, uh, to Al, or to the, to Pittsburgh. So both Alabama corners going in the first, uh, two dozen picks. And, um, and then he has one more Alabama player going in the first round, I believe. Good grief. And, what, are we working on five now? Yeah. No, sorry. That was it. Uh, Taryn Honor. Yeah. So still. The, the, the three defenders and then Latham, right? So four. Did I say another one? No. Four. Oh. Yeah. I, we talked about this a couple of days ago, whether or not Terry on Arnold um, has worked his way into the first round. And whoever we had on, excuse me for not remembering, said late first, early second. Yeah, I think he's going to, I think he's going to sneak into the first round. I really do. And, uh, boy, uh, to have two, I mean, think about it. Alabama with two first round corners on this team. And these are both going to be number one corners in the NFL. So Alabama, man, is, is, when you got two lockdown corners, which is what I think you can classify McKinstry and Arnold as. It just allows you to do so much more on defense with your safeties. Um, yeah, a lot of talent on this Alabama defense. A lot of talent. And they seem to be coming together. Hey, when we get back, um, Gary Clark, who uh, I, sh- I host a show with him on Saturdays after the Alabama football games, and then he has some shows on Tide 100.9 WTBC himself. We'll talk about those and a lot more as we continue on this Thursday edition of Big Noon Sports. Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker who's as roll-tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. And based on that intro, Kerry Clark fits perfectly in here. Kerry Clark is now with Town Square, handles a lot of their digital. If you go online, I'm just going to let Kerry explain in a minute. How do they read you? How do people get in touch? You just go go to what we do to listen to us. You go to Tide, right? Yeah, Tide1009.com. And uh, most of my articles go on some other websites as well. But that's that's the one I truly write for. And uh, I've got several up already today. I'd love to have people go over there and click on them, man. 
I want to ask you real quick because we we hear or hear sound bites from just about everything Saban does. Uh, did you find anything interesting when you interviewed the players, the three players on Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, I thought it was really cool how a couple of them uh, compared uh, redshirt freshman guard Jaden Roberts to the Hulk because he's such a weight room warrior, and uh, no matter how many plates they put on the bar. He seems to lift and press with ease, and he's just a physical specimen, and his blocking has proven that out, borne that out, since he got inserted into the lineup uh, out in College Station. So I thought it was pretty cool how two different ones called him the Hulk. <laughs> it was, yeah, it's impressive. What other uh, stories do you have up right now? What have you been working on? Oh, gosh, the... Uh, the SEC put out a long memorandum to people planning to attend the game in Atlanta in a few weeks, including the uh, pregame concert on Saturday by Darius Rucker, which I thought was pretty impressive. Um, let's see. Uh, gosh, I'm working on one right now about the Zoom call Nate Oates just got off of a few minutes ago where he talks about the upcoming opponent and uh, talks about uh, the improvement in his offense and defense. Uh, gosh, uh, just several. Th- oh, um, working on one where I predict uh, this weekend's SEC games. Uh, got, got a lot going on there on Tide 100.9. And what, what is, uh, what, what is the SEC game that catches your eye this week? Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> I liken it to working at a bakery, Lars. Uh, it's Cupcake Saturday. So, yeah, yeah, that's um, a good. That's are, a good there, are there any two playing each other? I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm not. You know, I haven't even reviewed the whole thing I yet. Uh, I, anyone who has, feel ch- free to chime in. I, I, I've i been concentrating on Alabama Chattanooga. I'm excited about the possibility, and you can't say this around Nick Saban, but I'm excited about the possibility of seeing some backups play Saturday. And, uh, you know, we learned a long time ago not to mention that to the head coach because he doesn't want to take anyone for granted. And Chattanooga is a, a decent 7-3 and three team in their conference, but they haven't come up against anything like they're going to come up against this Saturday. So I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, Matt's guy, Justice Haynes, who's also my guy, get some more carries. He got a few in Lexington, but I think he'll get yeah. a lot more this week. Uh, you know, guys like Richard Young. And it always intrigues me in that final home game against a non-conference opponent when it's not the Iron Bowl, when it is senior day, it intrigues me to see which walk-ons that have either never played or barely played get a little action in the fourth quarter. I love that. And you know what? That's been going on since since you and I were in school. Uh, Bryant used to do that. Make He would pay special attention, especially to get those walk-ons in. Even for one snap... Carry. I don't know if you went to class with guys like that, but I did. And when you saw them the following Monday, they were they were so high, in the words of Richard Petty, they could go duck hunting with a rake. And uh, I find it just r- really outstanding that teams still do this. And Alabama's one of them. Nick Saban's play, paying close attention, too. Is he also going to be – will he be looking at his roster as far as – 
true freshmen are concerned and whether or not they, you know, sometimes if you play them, they'll lose their eligibility. Are there, is there situations like that that he should be concerned with? I don't think so because the ones they plan to redshirt have played very sparingly. Uh, some of them have only played against Middle Tennessee, and some of them haven't played at all. So I, I think that the people, you know, he's got so many analysts on the staff, probably over a dozen, and they keep up with that kind of thing for him so he doesn't have to think about it. But he certainly knows the uh, the skinny and – that's all taken into account. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, like, in the fourth quarter, if we got another glimpse of Dylan Lonergan at quarterback, who we haven't seen since Middle Tennessee, and they do want a red shirt. That's an example of one. Speaking of Dylan, uh, here's a crystal ball question for you. What, what does Alabama's uh, quarterback room look like next year? It'll be smaller. <laughs> uh, I think you've got uh, Saiyan, Julian Saiyan coming in uh, from California, who everyone says is a clone of Bryce Young. That's a lot of pressure to put on a kid, but his high school tape backs it up. You got him coming in, and you got several guys that didn't get past the scout team this year. And then you have other people that know that Milrow is coming back. Uh I don't think Eli Holstein will be back, who's on scholarship from Louisiana. I think he'll be in the portal. I think it's probably, and I shouldn't say this, but you're asked for a crystal ball, so I'll give you one, Lars. I think it's probably very likely that Ty Simpson goes in the portal. And I think it's even more likely that Tyler Buckner goes in the portal. So it'll, it'll be a smaller room, but it'll also be a more competitive room. Don't you think Tyler Buckner will end up maybe not even in a Power 5 school? He'll drop down and get a lot of play. If he wants to play. Yeah, if he wants to play, that's a good yeah, thing. I mean, he did not Florida. look ready to play against Yeah, no. <laughs> I mean, We've talked about that. Clearly. Hey, uh, uh, this, this subject uh, extended. Um, you're a big Justice Haynes guy. I have been ever since I saw him in the spring and then some of his tape back in Georgia. But... He would be somebody that I would have a lot of focus on re-recruiting. Uh, you would hate to see that talent go into the transfer portal. Is that a possibility? It is if Roydell Williams and or Jason McClellan decide to forego or decide to use their COVID year. Either one of them could and come back next year. But they're both going through senior days, so I don't think they want to. But you never people that go through senior day have been known many times in the past to have second thoughts and come back and play the next year. So I think it depends on what those two guys do. Uh, if if at least one of them leaves the program to put their name in the NFL draft, I feel great about Haynes coming back. I really do. But then you, you have a, a guy like Jam Miller who's all of a sudden burst into the rotation. And what, what the Alabama coaches have got to sell Haynes on is – you know, if these two guys leave or if one of them leave, you're going to be on the field next year. You know, you're going to play a whole lot more than you did this year. Yeah, you got carries against Midland, against Kentucky, and one other game. But And I think he'll get a ton of carries in, in the third and fourth quarter Saturday. But they, they've got to sell him on, uh, you know, you're going to be a regular part of this rotation next year. Just stay with it. Here's some examples. Brian Robinson, most recently, of the Washington Commanders that stuck it out and stuck it out and stuck it out and finally got on the field. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago, Matt, that 
Sean Alexander, the top running back in the country that spurned Michigan for Alabama, comes down here in the mid-90s and gets redshirted as a true freshman. And his redshirt freshman year, Ivy Williams played him very sporadically because he apparently wasn't picking up blitzes. And then he goes down to Baton Rouge and explodes, as we all know. So if patience is a virtue in the process of Nick Saban, and that's being... That, I'm sure that's going on daily in meetings with Justice Haynes. And he has played every game on special teams. He's a key member of the kick coverage and kick return units and such as that. And he's going to get a letter as a freshman and get that nice jacket and all that. But he wants to play running back. And I think they're going to sell it to him that the rotation will have room for him next year, which if things go as planned, it certainly will. Your thoughts on the uh, development and evolution of the offensive line this year and specifically true freshman Caden Proctor at, at left tackle? I think Proctor started out struggling mightily, and the stats bear that out regarding the number of sacks he was giving up and the other penalties he's being called for, whether it be holding or false start or what have you. And then the last couple of games, he settled into a different type of guy. The hope going into the season was that he could have like an Evan Neal-type freshman year. And people kept wondering, well, you know, why aren't they putting Latham over there and, and letting the kid play right tackle where there's less pressure on pass protection? But they felt like they had a better line with J.C. Latham at right tackle. So they went ahead and gambled, and, and they, they stuck with Proctor, and they stuck with Proctor, and they let Pritchett push him a little bit, and that only made him better. Uh, and, you know, Pritchett has played some snaps at left tackle, but it's 90% really been, or 85% been Proctor. So Proctor had, has finally improved to the point that he's becoming a legitimate SEC left tackle as a true freshman. It took over half a season to get there, but he's there now. And the other thing, Lars, is they finally got Darian Dalcourt out of the starting lineup and put him in a swing role where he belongs as a backup at three interior positions. And when they made Jaden Roberts a starter on the offensive line out in College Station a month ago, uh, the Hulk, as his teammates call him, proved why. And those those two things, the improvement of Proctor and the insertion of Roberts, have turned what was a okay offensive line into one of the best in the SEC, top two or three easily. Are uh, are Alabama fans aware, or the nation aware, of what Will Reichert has done in his years at Alabama? I think so. I think the media has done a good job of reporting on that. And, uh, you know, <laughs> consistency has been his middle name since I started watching him play in the 10th grade at Hoover High School. That's been a few years, being as this is his fifth year at Alabama. So, uh, yeah, I've been watching the kid for eight years. I, I, I already knew how good he was when he was a sophomore at Hoover. He's only gotten better since then. Uh, yeah, he struggled against LSU, but that's any kicker. He said himself in uh, one of those interviews earlier this week that, you know, it's not realistic to expect a guy to make every kick. Now, Will, you did that in 2020. When the team won the national championship and went undefeated, arguably the best Alabama team ever. He's shown he can do that, but he's also human. But from a mechanics perspective and a consistency perspective, I would submit he's the best place kicker in UA history. 
Yeah, and there have been a few. Although yes. early in Saban's career, it seemed like it was going cattywampus on him. But anyway, um, I always loved Peter Kim. I don't know why I'm going to throw that guy out there, but I just did. Kerry has seen Alabama play basketball a couple of times. Let's talk some Bama hoops on Big Noon Sports. and Corey Miller every weekday here on Tide 100.9. Coming up on the Miller's Edge. It's a thirsty Thursday. It's our time to visit with one Stephen M. Smith in his own words. By the way, I saw him talking to Paul Feinbaum. We'll check in with him. Get his thoughts on Alabama, Chattanooga, Alabama, and Georgia. And we'll take your phone calls right here on a Thursday, Thursday. Tune in 11 to noon to hear Christian and Corey Miller break down everything from college to the pros on Tide 100.9, the home of Alabama sports. Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. It has been a gloomy start to our Wednesday, folks, and it looks like for the next few hours we're going to be dealing with some areas of light rain and drizzle that should continue to break up even more as we're heading to the afternoon time. And then more scattered light rain starting to press in for the overnight hours. Gusty with that northeasterly wind for today. Gusts to 25 miles per hour. Highs for today, upper 50s. We're going to be pretty much holding into the 50s through the night. And then warming to the upper 60s for tomorrow. A little more sun. Rain tapering early. A meteorologist, Jennifer Naramore. On Tide 100.9. It's 75 degrees in Tuscaloosa. More big noon sports coming up. Carrie Clark is our guest on the show today. Carrie, in addition to what you contribute with uh, digital media, with Town Square Media, uh, you also have a couple of shows. One of them actually includes me. Would you uh, tell us about them? And then I'd like to talk some Alabama basketball. Right. Well, on Saturday night, as you alluded to, two hours after each Bama game, home or away, we do a show uh, called the Bama Post Game Show with the two of us and uh, Mark McGriff which is always a lot of fun, especially when kickoffs allow us to do them at Walk-On Sports Bistro, where they feed the talent. We love that. And uh, we're all about some walk-ons on that show. And uh, Friday nights, I have two different shows. One is called Friday Night Live from 6 to 9, and we talk about high school games in progress, as well as preview the following day's Alabama game. And then from 10 to 11, I have the Last Call Scoreboard Show, which is nothing but final scores from high school games all around the state, including call-ins from people who attended the games, sometimes on our behalf and sometimes just as uh, boosters of said school or parents or what have you. We, we get reports from whoever we can get them from. Uh, we're uh, concentrating on Tuscaloosa Academy this week because uh, they've got a big second-round playoff game at home. But uh, we'll be covering all the West Alabama and even state of Alabama schools 
that are remaining in round two of the AHSAA playoffs. Kerry, uh, Nate Oates apparently is working his magic again through the transfer portal and his recruiting and so forth because this team has just burst out of the gates. Now, granted, the level of opponents is not, you know, they're not in the SEC, let's just say that. However, uh, they've been okay teams and they've been able to kind of score with Bama. I know it might be 170 something, but the other night, Tuesday night, they just whipped South Alabama mercilessly, uh, 102 to 46. So defense has showed up. Did you observe that? I was there, and uh, they looked great on both ends of the court. Astonishing shooting percentages, which won't keep up as defense improves as they play tougher opposition, which starts uh, actually a week from tomorrow. But uh, they've got Mercer tomorrow, which is a decent team in their conference. Mercer from Macon, Georgia. Mercer is not likely to beat this team, but you never can look past them because, as Coach Stallings used to tell us, it's not a big game unless you lose it. So you don't want to be in that boat. But Mercer's very beatable. Uh, you, you mentioned the transfer portal. Alabama had the fifth-ranked portal class in the country, and that was the magic of Oates doing a lot of the work on his own because there for a period of time he didn't have any assistant coaches. And yet he went out and found three in a very quick manner, all of which are sharp, keen basketball minds. He got them working busily, recruiting uh, portal mostly and some high school kids, and they are – very talented. They have 11 healthy, available scholarship players. They made the decision to redshirt 6'9 wing player Chris Parker and let him put on some strength and some weight and muscle. And uh, so he won't play any more than whatever the minimum is this year. Uh, in fact, he didn't even dress against South, so that's a clear sign they plan to redshirt him. But the 11 scholarship players they have available all bring different skill sets, different types of things they're good at. It One might be guarding the ball. One might be passing. One might be rebounding, dunking. One might be shooting threes. One might be driving to the hoop. Uh, there's, they all have different skill sets. And he was asked just a few minutes ago on his 12 o'clock Zoom call, you know, what's the deal as far as, you know, when you plan to narrow the rotation, you're past, you don't play with eight or nine guys. Right now you're playing 11. And he said, well, that depends on A, how they play defense, and B, how they play overall, such as on offense, shooting. And some of the ones that got called out about their defense, uh, like freshman Davin Cosby and Sam Walters, responded by playing their rear ends off on that end of the floor against South, and that earned them some more minutes than they might normally have gotten. And both of those guys are always good shooters, but they became good defenders when Oates called them out in another press conference. So he knows how to reach kids. Now, you reach them by calling them out, or you reach them by not playing them as much minutes as they're used to. Because you got to understand, you know, all 11 of these guys that are eligible played big minutes at their previous stops. You get down here, and you got to earn them. And they're, they've earned them so far. So he said maybe against Ohio State a week from tomorrow in Destin, Florida at a Thanksgiving tournament, if it's a tight game for 40 minutes or whatever, the, the rotation might get cut down one or two guys. But it's going to depend on how they play and practice between now and then. But, gosh, I, I, they have so much talent and so much depth. And 
what he's a magical magician at is getting them to play together chemistry-wise. And they do bonding things that, you know, they have these retreats and all that that they go on. And it brings the team closer together. They hang out a lot together. Occasionally, I'll see them around town eating four or five at a time together at certain restaurants. And they, they seem to really like each other. And that leads to chemistry on and off the court, which translates to victories. Do you know or are you familiar with kind of the backstory of how Nate Oates landed uh, uh, Nelson, Grant Nelson? Not 100%, no. What are your thoughts on what you've seen so far out of him? I think he can play in the NBA. Uh, he's 6'11". He can handle the ball. He can dunk on anyone. He has grown into a better shot blocker over the course of the three games. He's a solid rebounder. His three-point shot is a work in progress, but if he gets to where he's making anywhere near 40% by the end of the season, he'll be gone. Uh, you know, Noah Clowney went after one year in a college program. Grant Nelson had outstanding seasons over at uh, North Dakota State, and uh, of course, he'd never gone to the South or anything like that, but what I do know is that Oates sold him on how many people Oates has in the NBA right now. And uh, he has six. And they're all playing valuable minutes. And he's got a couple of other guys on the cusp that are in the G League. So he sold him on, I'll get you ready for the pros. You know, just come give me a year or two. And if Nelson has any kind of a season like he started off having when these tough games start, like Ohio State next Friday, and the SEC, which is deeper and better than it's been in eons, he's going to get severely tested. But if he keeps playing anywhere near the level he has in these first three games, I see him as gone after one year at Alabama. If he doesn't and he gets, like, second-round feedback, then he could come back for one more year if he chooses to do so. But athletically and mentally and physically, I've, I've been very impressed with him. He was... I thought he was going to be pretty good, but what I've seen on him through three games is uh, more than pretty good. You know, the um, SEC pundits thought highly enough of this guy to vote him all SEC. He never stepped on the floor. so um, And that's not all that unusual. It does happen from time to time when a player comes in. I think Brandon Miller may have even entered into that territory a little bit because he was such such a good high school player. But, hey, let's talk a little bit about the schedule. You mentioned the Buckeyes. This is another area in which Nate Oates wants to. And uh, he's lost some games. He lost to UConn last year by scheduling them. I think that was in a tournament. But um, who else is on the pre-SEC schedule that Alabama fans are wanting to see? Besides Ohio State, uh, they, they yeah. may end up playing either Gonzaga or Santa, Santa Clara. Uh, they've just got... Uh, I don't have the schedule right in front of me, but I know yeah, there's I a... I ask you without doing there, it myself. There, there's Sorry. A, there's a, I heard everybody... I went to a tip-off meeting yesterday where Oates spoke, and uh, people were talking about a three-game stretch in December that is uh, just going to be brutal. I, I guess you you got my curiosity now because I know that the... Uh, uh, the cupcake games are about to be over with. We, I'm, I'm pretty sure they're going to start out 4-0. So let me just uh, 
Uh, let me just um, use the magic of uh, RollTide.com and, and pull it up. And, you know, it only, it only takes a second. We can certainly review this for the fans, no problem. Uh, let's see. Sports, basketball men, and more, and schedule. Okay, here we go. All right. Uh, all right. You've already, you're already three and oh, you got Mercer, should be four and oh. Then you have this tournament in Destin where you play Ohio State and then either Oregon or Santa Clara. Then you have a home game on November 28th against Clemson in the ACC Challenge. Decent, decent opponent. Then you have Arkansas State. And here's the monster stretch, Matt, beginning December no 9th. Purdue, Creighton, and Arizona. You talk about strength of schedule? Wow. My gosh. Oh, you get two of those three. You may already have clinched your bid in the tournament, the big, the big dance. Uh, but then, then you have Eastern Kentucky winnable, Liberty, and the CM Newton Classic in Birmingham winnable. And then the SEC starts with a road game January 6th at Vandy, which I don't think this is one of Vandy's better teams. I saw where a, a lower division school upset them the other night. But then you gotta, then you gotta go to, then you got South Carolina coming here and, you got to go to state who, uh, who's just okay. And then it gets to be the grind. You know, Missouri, Tennessee, Auburn, LSU, mm-hmm. at Georgia. It, it's just uh, their strength of schedule is going to end up being top ten in the nation easily. But that three-game Gary. stretch, wow. Yeah, no kidding. With Purdue. Right. That's just... Creighton in right. Arizona. Woo. All NCAA teams. Um, and, and then some high seeds. Yes. All right, Kerry. Thanks for your time. Uh, we'll listen to you tomorrow night. And then again, uh, I will see you at Walk On's Bistro Saturday after the UTC game. Thank you, sir. All right, man. Thanks for having me. All right, you bet. Kerry Clark on Big Noon Sports. You know what, folks? There is an old saying that you just can't fight City Hall. It is so true. And on this level, you can't fight Dollar Green either. I'll explain, and I'm a little sad today. I'll explain that as well on Big Men Sports. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget, and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit. Throughout the entire process, the Bama Broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership. Trust me, the Bama broker, who's as roll-tied as houndstooth, will get you across the goal line. That's Laura Lee Thompson, the Bama broker with Advantage Realty Group. You can reach her at 205-790-7229. Again, that's 205-790-7229. And you can also email her at lee at thebamabroker.com. That's lee at thebamabroker.com. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. 
Here's Monty Bolaños. MLB owners voted today and unanimously approved the Oakland Athletics' potential move to Las Vegas. The A's are expected to play in a variety of sites after their Oakland Coliseum lease expires after the 2024 season, including at the Giants' ballpark in San Francisco and Summerlin, Nevada at the A's AAA site. This is according to USA Today. In college sports, the WWE and the Big 12 have formed a new partnership around the Big 12 championship game that will include a custom-made championship title belt going to the game's most outstanding player. This is according to ESPN. And according to Yahoo Sports, the two remaining schools in the Pac-12 conference, Oregon State and Washington State, have re-engaged with Mountain West officials over a two-year football scheduling alliance with the league that could lead to a long-term partnership or even a merger. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. Hey, thanks for tuning us in. Man, it's just, it's a pretty day, and uh, I don't mind the chill in the air. But anyway, welcome into the second half as uh, Lars and I get ready to uh, guide you into the weekend. And the Alabama UTC game slated for a for an 11 a.m. kickoff on SEC Plus and ESPN Plus. So uh, I guess you can't get it uh, over what we would call like regular or cable TV, but uh, you have to subscribe to those in order to watch the Alabama game. And uh, then I want to remind people that in the middle of all that, tomorrow afternoon we will be at walk on at uh, Ennis Free, 25 year pub. I bounce back and forth a little, folks. Uh, but this tomorrow we will be at Free, the Friday place to be. Uh, Lars, I know this has been in the wings. It's been coming. But now that the Major League Baseball owners have approved it, the Oakland A's are apparently going to Las Vegas. They couldn't get things together. The city couldn't get things together with a new stadium. And you know how that goes back and forth and back and forth. And also how it usually goes is the team moves. And it's just, this is tough for the kids, uh, the, you know, of my era. The Oakland A's, when I was uh, young, were the coolest team in the history of the world. I mean, first of all, they had those cool uniforms. Uh, Charlie, uh, Finley was uh, a, a very aggressive and progressive owner for back in the days. Um, see Elephant on Sleeve. And uh, then they had players like, good grief, Vita Blue, uh, Sal Bando, Bert Campaneras, who, by the way, at one time was uh, one of two players to have actually appeared in a Major League Baseball game in nine innings at a different position at all nine innings. Think about that one. That was pretty cool. And then there was the second wave of the Oakland Athletics, which I didn't like as much because I was just wasn't a real big fan of the Bash Brothers. But with Canseco, McGuire, uh, they had an unbelievable... Oh, God, how could I forget off the 70s team? How could I forget Catfish Hunter and Raleigh Fingers? Now, Lars, you were about two when they were developing this powerhouse. But to be calling them the Las Vegas A's is going to be equal, if not more difficult, than finally being able to come around, bouncing back and forth between all the locations of the Raiders. I've finally gotten to the point where I recognize and I see them as the Vegas Raiders. But uh, I'm... Still there ain't anything I can do about it except complain on my radio show. That's what I'm doing. I'm going to miss the A's playing in Oakland, California. 
there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's too bad that Oakland now has lost their uh, their NFL team and now their Major League Baseball team. And uh, just so many memorable moments uh, throughout Oakland A's history. Uh, one, uh, who can forget when the ball... <laughs> <laughs> bounced you know. off Jose Canseco's head and <laughs> was a home run. Maybe the greatest blooper of all time. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and also, uh, the Derek Jeter play at, at, at Oakland, uh, in the, uh, in the playoff series. I think it was in 2001. Uh, just amazing, um, amazing quick play that we've talked about a lot that kind of epitomized what Derek Jeter was all about. And I know he wasn't an A, but it took place uh, in Oakland. And also the the whole concept of uh, analytics was popularized by Billy Bean, the general manager of Oakland, and then put into the movie Moneyball. And in a lot of ways, Billy Bean, he changed not just baseball but sports by applying mathematical principles to uh to player evaluation and now also it's uh it's uh even grown from that to uh the mathematical possibility probability of outcome of whether or not you go for it on fourth and two based on down and distance and yeah, how much time's left in the game and what the score is. And I mean, just, but all of that originated with the A's. Yep. Um, by the way, one of the best and maybe underrated movies was Moneyball. Um, I, I, yeah, Brad Pitt is really Brad, good in that. I yep. thought Brad Pitt deserved at least a nomination, but he didn't get it. And Jonah Hill is fabulous in that movie. And then, uh, oh, God. What's the guy's name? And unfortunately, he's passed away. Great actor. He played Truman. Oh, Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman. Uh, and him as Art Howell. Yeah. He sold it. Um, but that was a great movie. And it was based on the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure that as a baseball purist, Lars, I ever totally bought into that. I bought into part of it. And you'll notice the A's could win divisions and contend for them, but they never won at all. Yeah. Yeah. It was one of the lines that Billy Bean said, you have to, you can't lose the last game of the year. Um, but anyway, that was a good. But I mean, you look at their payroll compared to the teams that they were going against, and it was about half the size of the Yankees, right? And so in, in a lot of ways. That's something the fans have been cheered for. All right, we got a lower payroll. We finished second, but we got yeah, a lower payroll. Yeah, no, I payroll. just said, well, they simply didn't have the. The, the 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 money the, the another the bank reason they're leaving uh yes yeah and and the, i think oakland has to kind of look at itself to the city the fan base as to why they are leaving um i did want to just touch really quick before we um move on uh to our next segment about uh an espn.com story by our really good friend chris lowe um which uh, he was in Tuscaloosa earlier this week. And whenever Chris Lowe writes about Alabama and Nick Saban, you, you, you need to pay attention because we know and have learned over time that Nick Saban really trusts Chris Lowe. And he shares things with Chris 
which is a testament to Chris's, I think, just uh, one is just his ability as a reporter and as a writer, but also just his, his authenticity, his genuineness uh, that that um, that Coach Saban trusts him. And so it's always worth sort of paying attention, right, when Chris Lowe writes on Alabama and specifically has, has time with Nick Saban. And I, I found um, – one anecdote from this uh, story, uh, which is uh, titled Nick Saban says Alabama had, quote, right attitude after early adversity. I thought one uh, really uh, interesting and compelling uh, little story in here was that um, that Saban is he's doing things now that he's never done in the past. And one is that. He, 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 uh, was constantly reminding his players to conduct themselves with, you know, honor and integrity and class. Like he's always done that. But then one of the players jokingly called him out on it and said, Hey, coach, uh, you cuss in meetings and quote, that ain't showing class. And so what did Nick do? He vowed to pay $5 every time he cussed in meetings going forward. And so, uh, there's like a, a, a pot. Now in the, uh, in the locker room or somewhere downstairs that, uh, they are making note of when Nick Saban, uh, uses a cuss word. And so Nick Saban's gonna have, uh, have to write a, write a, well, I don't know, write a check, but, uh, he'll have to, uh, uh, do, do something after the season to, uh, be held to account for his, uh, his, uh, use of, uh, dirty words and, we all know those of if you've ever spoke with Nick Saban, you know, one on one that he, like myself, uh, you know, doesn't mind a R rated word here and there. So anyway, but but also the the real gist of the story is that Nick Saban is very much enjoying this season and the enjoyment he gets is, I think, out of the evolution and growth of this team and, uh, in, in that they're not now, and, 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 and Nick is quoted in the story as saying that he loves the fact that after a win, it's not like, oh, thank God we got out with a win, you know, and, and you know, it's not just like, oh, we, we, we kept the critics at bay. No, in the locker room, like the players are really enjoying each other. And Jalen Milrow, like, I love it. He says in there, like, hey, we knew that this was a work in progress. Our team is a work in progress at the beginning of the year. And I was a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. And in a lot of ways, Jalen epitomizes and uh, is metaphorically kind of what this team is all about. And uh, he also said that uh, this is a player-led team. But it goes back to Nick Saban sort of giving that responsibility, allowing the players to lead the team. And it goes back again to that players only meeting. Remember, uh, we talked about it quite a bit. I think it was following the, uh, the South Florida game. Love. So a uh, really interesting read and another great job by Chris Lowe, who's a friend of the program and, and a, just a terrific reporter and writer for ESPN. I immense respect for it. What a, what a comfort level between coach and player that uh, is involved in that entire story. That's pretty darn cool. Hey, Ben Thomas from AL.com is our guest next on Big Noon Sports.
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. It has been a gloomy start to our Wednesday, folks. It looks like for the next few hours, we're going to be dealing with some areas of light rain and drizzle. That should continue to break up even more as we're heading to the afternoon time. And then more scattered light rain starting to press in for the overnight hours. Gusty with that northeasterly wind for today. Gusty 25 miles per hour. Highs for today, upper 50s. We're going to be pretty much holding into the 50s through the night. And then warming to the upper 60s for tomorrow. A little more sun. Rain tapering early. A meteorologist, Jennifer Naramore. On Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Covering SEC sports like Good Zoo on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Joining us on the show from AL.com, their high school sports editor, is uh, Ben Thomas. And he has uh, this year and before uh, become a very good friend of the show. We appreciate him joining us because uh, we are about to get real deep into the playoffs. Uh, ben, how are you? How are things in your life? Man, everything in my life is blessed. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, really good. Uh, great time of year to be a football fan. You got NFL tonight. You got college this weekend. The championship games are coming up. And then you, you've got the uh, always very popular Alabama playoffs. Um, anything happen of great, and this is such a broad question, anything happen of great interest in week one? Uh, a couple of things. You know, we had, I think we had, Six number four seeds beat number one seed. That's I think that's out of fifty-two. Um, so we did have a few upsets. I mean, I thought the biggest thing was probably UMS Wright going to Central Clay County and uh, winning that game. Central Clay was a number one seed, and UMS. It's you know, most people think of UMS as being a stalwart, a deep playoff team, and usually they are, but they have not been very good this year. And in fact would not have been in the playoffs had Viger not forfeited a game to them. But uh, they go up there and win a 7 and nothing game against the undefeated Central Clay County team. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing about that matchup was you had the two winningest coaches in state history matching off. Uh, Terry Curtis now has 355 wins. Uh, the UMS right head coach and Danny Horn has 351. So, um, you know, that was probably the biggest um, upset Story, slash storyline of week one, I would say, but there were there were some other good ones as well. I find it very interesting as we go into the second week. Uh, there are a lot of really good teams that we could uh, take advantage and take a look at, but I'm going to do something very very unfair. Can you <clears throat> can you run one through seven A and tell me who maybe one or two of the teams might be the ones to keep up with? Yeah, a one through seven. You know, every classification. Yeah, yeah, just okay. each classification. Um, Give me a couple of teams in each that you think has really got a chance to win it all. Yeah, 
It would have been much easier if you told me just 7A, but, uh, yeah, I can. Yeah, I know. I could <laughs> I probably, but here's the deal, Ben. I could probably do 7A. So if we just want to do some yeah. larger schools, that's okay, too. Because, you know, no, when, no, I, we got, when we... I hear, I hear 1A, I say Maplesville. So, you know, <laughs> uh, my, yeah, my knowledge uh, here is, is, uh, very limited. Yeah, let me do the best I can. Um, in, in 1A, you're right. Maplesville is always good. They're playing at Sweetwater this week. Uh, another team, you know, a lot of the 1A teams, it seems like we see them every year at this time. Uh, Leroy is the reigning state champion. They're 10 and 0. They're a very good story because their coach, Jason Massey, was deployed at midseason. So he's not with them. He's overseas somewhere. Um, they host Georgiana this week. Uh, Brantley is still alive. They're usually a threat. Um, like I said, Mapleville plays at Sweetwater. Um, that's going to be a good game. And Elba is a team to watch because there's a running back, a junior running back there named Alvin Henderson, who was just having a fabulous year. Um, he's going to, he's one of the top commit, top recruits for next year's class. They're going to host Millery this week. Uh, so look out for Alvin Henderson there. That's a big storyline. And then, uh, up north, a little ways, Coosa Christian up in the Gadsden area. Uh, they've been in the news this year because this is a team that had yeah, to forfeit yeah. four games, uh, earlier in the year for, for having some ineligible players, but they've made the playoffs anyway. They made the semifinals last year. Uh, they're at home. So the, your rec, you look at their record, it's five and five, but you know, like I said, four forfeits. Um, they're a dangerous team. They play Lynn on, uh, tomorrow night. So that's kind of one A, um, two A. Uh, you know, obviously 2A, anytime you talk about 2A, you got to talk about the five Red Devils, um, what they've done. Paul Benefield is one of two coaches in our state's history to win 300 games at the same school. Uh, he did that earlier this year. Pice is alma mater. He's been there 27 years and, um, just unbelievable what they do there. If you've never seen five play a football game, if they get to Tuscaloosa this year, you need to go watch it because, they're kind of the anti-normal team that we, we see these days. And the fact that instead of spreading everybody out, they're bringing everybody close together. You know, they're all up on the line within the range of the center and running it right at you and throwing about three passes a game. So kind of old school football that just works well for them. Uh, one matchup, maybe one of the top matchups this week in this class. All of the state in, the, in this classification, especially Highland Home going to BB Comer. That's ten and one Highland Home. Um, they've got a junior commit, Jacaleb Falk, uh, who's committed to Auburn already. BB Comer was in the finals last year. Uh, they've got a really good player named Kamori Harris. Um, so those those two teams, and of course, you know, down your way, Tuscaloosa Academy is still alive at nine and two and hosting Southeastern. So. That's kind of the story in 2A. In 3A, a lot of a lot of eyes this week are going to be at uh, Mars Hill at Madison Academy. That seems like it should be a uh, maybe a quarterfinal or semifinal matchup. Mars Hill's 10 and 1. Madison Academy's 11 and 0. They got a running back named Ken Cherry that's having have a having a really good season. That's one of my uh, top games to look for this week in the state. Um, down here in my, I live in the Daphne Mobile area, Mobile Christian. Is an interesting story. They're the number one team in the state. They're undefeated, and they had some defections in the offseason. Sterling Dixon, the Alabama commit, transferred to Spanish Ford, a Class Six A school. Colin Wilson, their running back, is now at Gulf Shores, which is the number one team in in five A. Uh, but they have haven't missed a beat. They keep winning, and the and the reigning champ, St. James, is still alive as well. Their quarterback, KJ Jackson, is an Arkansas commit, big left-handed quarterback who threw five touchdown passes. 
in the championship game last year against Piedmont. Uh, if I'm going too fast, just stop me. I'm just going. I'm just looking at all no, of them and seeing what's out. I'm just taking it all in. Um, four A's got some good matchups this week. Andalusia is the reigning champ. They're running back to Marion Fat Burnett, just decommitted from Auburn, but good player. They're going to Jackson. Jackson's got a quarterback, Landon Duckworth, and only a sophomore. He's already committed to South Carolina. They've got a, a young running back who's really good, only a freshman. E.J. Crowell is his name. He's got SEC offers. That's going to be a good matchup. In fact, the South in 4A is loaded. T.R. Miller is going to Montgomery Catholic. Montgomery Catholic hasn't lost in the last three regular seasons, but they've, they've not made it to the championship. They lost in the two previous semifinals. So uh, I wonder maybe if this could be the year that they make it to the championship game. We'll see. Uh, and Westminster Christian is hosting Deschler. Um, you may have heard the name Brandon Mush. He's the Westminster quarterback. He set all kind of state records for touchdowns scored and rushing and passing and, and that type of thing. And Cherokee County's back. Uh, Jacob Cornejo is their running back. They were runner up last year in 4A. Uh, in 5A, look, one of the stories in the state is Gulf Shores. Um, and not all positive. They've been under, they're 11 and 0 and the number one team in the state. That's where Mark Hudspeth coaches. Mark Hudspeth, of course, uh, Successful college coach has been at Gulf Shores three years, and what well, we know is that and one of the naval military academies, wasn't he? Yeah, Louis, uh, head coach at Louisiana Lafayette for a while. Um, was head coach was coach of the year at Austin P. Only spent one year there, but he's been at Gulf Shores three years and and done a good job there. They're eleven and zero, but they've been under uh, Alabama High School Athletic Association investigation for really most of the season, but particularly the last couple of weeks. And that investigation is still ongoing. Another school turned them in for, you know, some type of um, eligibility or transfer possible violations. And nothing's been done yet, but it's still open. So uh, in the meantime, they're, they're still playing. and They host a very good Charles Henderson team Friday night. Um, you may may have seen over the weekend that Zion Grady, a five-star defensive end for Charles Henderson, committed to Alabama over the weekend. Very good player for them. Um, so look out for that. That Gulf Shores storyline is is still big. It's still kind of under the radar, but they're still there. There's still a possibility that you know that at some point they could be taken out of the playoffs if they find anything uh, on them. So that's kind of interesting. And then on the north half, you got Leeds and Ramsey playing Friday. Ramsey's the defending champ. That's going to be a good game there. And in uh, in six A. Look, everybody wants to talk about. I know he'll, uh, we'll get to Hillcrest Tuscaloosa in a minute. Everybody, a lot of people outside of Tuscaloosa want to see Sarah Land and Clay Chalk will play for the state championship. Sarah Land is the reigning champs. They're eleven and zero. I think when I was on with you guys last time, if you haven't seen Ryan Williams play, you got to see that guy play. He's the reigning Mister Football. He's an Alabama commit. He's only a junior, but he's also uh, could reclassify. Uh, and Hillcrest Tuscaloosa is good as well. I hear the music playing, so I didn't even get all the way through six days. Guys, hello. I'm right here, but we're going to go ahead and uh, go on. Uh, Noah, if you can kind of just lower the volume a little bit okay. of the music. Uh, we're going to go okay. on. Uh, I've always thought, and particularly what they did to some of the teams in, in 7A, like they beat Thompson. Clay Chalkwell was a team to beat there. Uh, and yeah, in in six A, um, 
Yes, Clay Chalk won Sarah Land are going to be, you know, like I said, I was going there. Uh, Jalen Mbakwe is a quarterback and an Alabama commit for Clay Chalkville. And so those, a lot of people think those two teams will play at Bryant-Denny Stadium in the championship. But Hillcrest Tuscaloosa has got a chance. Um, they got Helena this week. And if they get past that, they get Sarah Land next week. I think that game will be at Sarah Land. Two undefeated teams, so that would be uh, that would be fun. And then in seven A, you know, we're down to we're down to eight there because there's one less round. Um, it looks like Central Phoenix City and Thompson are probably the teams there, um, but anything can happen, you know. In, in that Birmingham area, they're all rematches from from the regular season, and then Auburn's going to Central Phoenix City, and then the Outliers are Enterprise and Mary G Montgomery, which won his first ever playoff game last. week. That's my that's my maybe not short enough version of one eight three seven eight. Hey, um, what have uh, what have the rebels done? Uh, Vestavia fell on some hard times immediately after Buddy Anderson retired, but um, they got Thompson and a chance to win this thing. Everybody goes, oh, nobody beats Thompson, and I'm asking this for selfish reasons because all my children went to school there. How about them rebels? And I'll let you go. They've had a good year. Um, they've done a good job, and I think they do have a chance this weekend. Now, I didn't pick them. Uh, it's kind of like picking against Alabama. I mean, you know, it's not, you're not going to get very far if you uh, if you make that pick a lot. But you know, they, their only loss was to Thompson, twenty-one to three earlier in the season. Um, you know, they they're the second seed in that re- or I guess the third seed in that region. But Robert Evans has done a good job there, and I think they got a chance against Thompson. Thompson. It's been good. I mean, they're nine and one. Obviously, Clay Chalkwell was the only team to beat them, and I, and I would favor Thompson at home. But it wasn't. It wouldn't extend me if Best Davy Hills won that game. Ben, you do a great job, everybody. You can dial him in on al dot com. We appreciate your time, and we'll do it again here in a week or two. Thank you, sir. Hey, sounds good. God bless, guys. And God bless you too. Ben Thomas from AL.com. When we get back, it's what everybody waits on. You through four days of the week. You're waiting on Thursday. You're waiting on Reagan Starner from R&R. As, uh, we're going to pick our football games against the spread and see where Lars, if he's still batting three out of four. Amazing. Back on Big News Sports. For championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on the Chattanooga Mocs. Our coverage begins at 8 a.m. on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. Laura Lee Thompson is known as the Bama Broker. She's a Tuscaloosa native, an Alabama graduate, and the only realtor in town with Wall Street experience. A skilled negotiator, Laura Lee knows how to buy low and sell high. And the Bama Broker isn't just going to show you houses. No, Laura Lee is going to educate you on the market, guide you to homes that fit your budget and teach you how to sell your home for its maximum profit throughout the entire process the bama broker will equip you with the tools you need to both buy a home and build financial wealth through home ownership trust me the bama broker who's as roll tied as houndstooth will get you across the goal line that's laura lee thompson the bama broker with advantage realty group you can reach her at 205-790-7229 again that's 205 
990-7229. And you can also email her at Laura Lee at TheBamaBroker.com. That's Laura Lee at TheBamaBroker.com. Best sports talk in Alabama. This is Big Noon Sports. Thursday. You know what that means? It's R and R, the Cigar Mansion's turn, and that means Reagan Starner is going to join us, and we're going to do our picks. But I think before we go to Reagan, we need to welcome in Lars to see where the standings are. Well, uh, last week we picked Utah, Washington, Michigan at Penn State, Ole Miss, Georgia, Bama, and Kentucky. Mr. Reagan. One and three. Matt Coulter, three and one. Lars Anderson, four and oh. So overall for the year, uh, Reagan is at 21 and 23 at a stout 48% winning percentage against the spread. Matt, you are uh, a flip of the coin. You're 22 and 22, which obviously is 50%. Yours truly now up to 34 and 10 at a rip-roaring 77% winning percentage against the spread. Reagan, are you going to turn it around this week? I mean, I don't know. (laughs) Enthusiastic. (laughs) Oh, man, you're you're bringing the energy, Reagan. Come on. (laughs) Reagan, you still there? I'm here. Not today. Not today. Um, all right. Uh, so let's um, just start with uh, Georgia at Tennessee. Um, Matt, I'll let you go first this time. Georgia is a 10-point favorite. Uh, I got to believe that uh, boy, Tennessee's not playing as well as they were earlier in the year, are they? Um, I'll go Georgia. Reagan? Reagan? I mean, I I really don't see much, honestly, with Tennessee uh, here. I don't know. I always feel like once people's seasons are over, they end up, especially now, the kids, once their season's over, it's like, oh, we don't have anything left to play for. We don't care. And then you see, you know, blowouts. Um, I feel like that happened with Ole Miss against Georgia last week. Uh, I think it's going to happen with Tennessee versus Georgia this week. And um, I think Georgia probably blows them out and uh, doesn't lose until they play Alabama in the SEC championship game. Yeah, you know, Georgia is definitely hitting their stride right now. And um, I think you could make the argument that Georgia has really separated itself from the rest of the country. It's it's Georgia number one and kind of everybody else. However, something about this game just to me screams take these 10 points with Tennessee at home. It's a early kick. Uh, this is Tennessee's, uh, like Super Bowl 
right? This is this is really uh, their chance to uh, make a statement nationally and and just uh, throw some chaos into the national championship picture. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee is going to win this game, but I think it's going to be closer than most people believe. All right, a real interesting game out uh, on the West Coast in uh, Eugene, Oregon, or excuse me, in Corvallis, Oregon, uh, Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State is hosting Washington, and Matt, uh, somewhat surprisingly, Oregon State is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I guess that's all about the home field advantage. What do they say it's worth, three points? Yeah. I got to go with the Huskies. My goodness, the, the number four team, five team in the nation. Um, hello, you're getting points. I don't care if it's on the road or not. I know Oregon State's an improved football team. Have been over the past couple of years. But if I can get Washington in points, I'm taking it all day long. Reagan? I mean, what does it say about you that you're the number five team in college football or number four team in college football, whatever the college football playoff has them ranked this week, that you're an underdog um, to what the number, to a team with two losses? Um, I don't know. It seems kind of weird to me. Uh, best four teams and all that. Uh, but, you know, somehow... Washington and Oregon are still, uh, you know, five and six, despite playing nobody, beating nobody, and being underdogs. Um, that being said, how dare you put Michael Penix as an underdog? I don't know how you do that. Um, <laughs> he is your player. He's your Heisman I have right? Always, I have always bet on Penix being mightier. And uh, until the day comes when, you know, he needs something blue, uh, I will continue to bet on Phoenix. Um, and I am taking him this weekend, and I will be taking the points that Washington is getting. Yeah, uh, this is another interesting game here. So... This is the 108th meeting all time between these two schools. And it's likely the last time in a very long time that these two schools will play. And yes, uh, welcome to the new era of college football where history means nothing and, uh, and historical rivalries mean nothing. Um, for Oregon State, they're eight and two. And they still have a path to the Pac-12 title. And look, if uh, the Beavers, which I, I'm surprised that you didn't uh, throw a Beaver reference in there, Reagan. If the Beavers can beat Washington on Saturday night and then they get Oregon next week, they have a chance to absolutely disrupt. They have a chance to single-handedly make sure that the Pac-12 doesn't put a team in the uh, in the uh, playoffs, and how sweet would that be for Oregon State? Because 
Oregon State just went to court on Tuesday. Lawyers for Oregon State went to court on Tuesday uh, arguing that they should be in control of the Pac-12 moving forward, not the 10 schools that are leaving the conference. And so Oregon State is just uh, sort of, you know, they have been uh, sitting there watching the conference disintegrate around them and they don't have a dance partner as of yet, but um, of where to go, where they're going to be playing next year. And so they have a chance to really like ruin it for everybody else who all the teams and universities that ruined it for them. So I, I think there is like a huge amount of motivation for Oregon State and I think they win this game I think they win it by more than three points so I'm going uh, against you guys I'm going Oregon State um, alright all right, so uh, no, this is a really fascinating game it's on uh, ABC uh, 630 Central kick in, uh, just say you yeah. like Beaver that would have been a better answer than, than whatever the long wind is aren't we talking longhorns and cyclones here yeah, I know, but just say you like beavers better. That would have, like, I could have gone with that. If you said I like beavers, I would have been like, oh. I got you. I like beavers. There it is. Okay, that's four times. Gotcha. Texas at Iowa State. Texas, point favorite. Alabama fans are going to be watching this one real close, Matt, because everyone in this state, if you are Crimson Tide, you are pulling for the Cyclones. And I'll be pulling for them, but it's not going to help. It's going to be considerably colder than what Austin is used to. But uh, I think with Texas now, they got Ewers back, and he's about full steam. So um, I don't want it to happen, but I'm going to pick Texas. Maybe that means Iowa State will win. All right, Reagan. What's the line here? Seven and a half. I'm going to go with the Cyclones. I hate taking the Cyclones. Um, I've never won Iowa State to win ever. Uh, don't even want them to cover. What um, do you have against Iowa State? I just I don't like Iowa State. I don't like them. But um, they do. Yeah, they do possess the worst uniforms in all of college football. So I'll throw that yeah. out there because it's a part of hate. Uh, I really feel like going back to the previous one. I feel like that's the Beavers, but um, and I just I'm I don't know. I'm not a fan. Um, of Texas lately and Iowa State it's like they're like sneaky um, they play everybody they played everybody really close I think Matt Campbell's a great coach um, sorry he doesn't have Brock Purdy anymore but he should have gotten out of there when he could have um, and I, I don't know I think I think they play them close I think the weather affects Texas uh, I like Iowa State to cover seven and a half this week Texas has looked awful lately. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Texas has not been trending in the right direction. And uh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to go with the, the home team here. And, again, it's going to be a uh, really electric atmosphere in Ames, Iowa, because uh, they also know what's on the line, that they can they can knock Texas out of, uh, of the national championship picture with a win. And uh, I know from being from the Midwest uh, how much every team in the Midwest cannot stand Texas. And it's just a – it will be a very short matter of time 
until fans in the of the SEC will come to agree with me. And uh, Texas will be the most uh, reviled team. This is a prediction here. Most reviled team in the SEC by the SEC fan base in within two years. Um, just uh, trust me on that one. I'm going to Iowa I'm State. I'm pretty sure they Randall. are. I think they already are. I mean, especially for Alabama fans. I think, well, I think yeah. Yeah. They, Texas is approaching Tennessee levels of hatred. Uh, and no, I, and if all it would all it will take will be the SEC saying you can't do horns down, and uh, that'll be the end of it for Texas in the SEC. And, and the nonsense of the the band uh, last year, uh, how, yeah. how how Texas just treated Alabama. It's, clown. It, a, it, 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 it's, it's an absolute clown show. I'm with no, you. It, it, but it's par for the course for Texas. Yeah. It, I mean, uh, think about the most entitled person you've ever met yeah. and multiply it by 100, and that's Texas, uh, in so, my view. Okay. Alabama, Matt, uh, 45 and a half point favorite. Over Chattanooga, where are you believe going? it or not, this is hard because I think Alabama is going to play a lot of first-time guys. Uh, I, I don't think they want to play deep into the second half. They want to kind of have everybody rested for the game the following week. So, believe it or not, I'm going to take Chattanooga. Reagan, uh, sixty-nine and nothing, Alabama. Yep, I think that means he's <laughs> taking the tie. And that could happen, but I don't know. Just, I'm like Alabama's I'm, forces will be pulled back on very early in this one. I mean, you, you just look at this. If Chattanooga scores 10 points, that uh, makes it a tall hill to climb for Alabama to cover. And, uh, you know, it could be a flukish play, but I, I do think it'll come down to the end with uh, Alabama's, you know, four stringers out there uh does somebody score late but i i'm with you matt I, i'm going chattanooga uh obviously not to win the game but i, I do think they cover that really big number uh okay reagan what's going on at, at, at r&r we are just getting ready for thanksgiving we've got our new website if you haven't checked out our website go to our website check it out now uh, you can use the promo code Big Noon to get 20% off your orders. Uh, and we've got all kinds of stuff going on there. We're about to, we just got in a bunch of our holiday stuff. Um, great time to come in there. We've got, I'm assuming new bourbons coming in the next couple of weeks with the allocated bourbon season releases dropping. So, uh, great time to be at the mansion and, get all your fun stuff uh yeah fun times and i'm about to have a kid so uh i may or may be there so which could be good for you could be bad for you if i'm not there some people they might prefer it if i'm not there but here we are (laughs) i don't i don't know about that reagan Reagan. thanks man appreciate your time as always i'll see y'all next time thanks brother appreciate it um, I, I'm, I'm, I hate to do this to you, Lars, but I've got a math question when we get back on oh, Big Net no. Sports. <laughs> Marketing your. 
Securing the best mortgage possible requires a lender who has knowledge, is trustworthy, and treats customers like family. And no one is better at all of this than the mortgage miracle worker, Haley Sansing. Based right here in Tuscaloosa, Haley Sansing has spent decades working in the mortgage industry. With Haley, it's personal, holding your hand from contract to close. With Haley, it's about one thing, you. Call Haley on her cell, yes, her cell, 205-792-1813. That's 205-792-1813. Let Haley help you. NLMS number 230376. Hi, Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. It has been a gloomy start to our Wednesday, folks, and it looks like for the next few hours, we're going to be dealing with some areas of light rain and drizzle that should continue to break up even more as we're heading to the afternoon time. And then more scattered light rain starting to press in for the overnight hours. Gusty with that northeasterly wind for today. Gusts to 25 miles per hour. Highs for today, upper 50s. We're going to be pretty much holding into the 50s through the night. And then warming to the upper 60s for tomorrow. A little more sun. Rain tapering early. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Nairamore. On Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. From T-Town to the Plains. This is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. Uh, thanks to Reagan. Thanks to Ben Thomas. And in hour number one, Kerry Clark joined us as well. So we've had a full show, and we'll have a full show tomorrow with Matt and Laura Lee and myself. And actually, with Lars. I'm not going to be there twice. So uh, dial us up. Come by and see us tomorrow as we broadcast from NS Free. Lars, you have just been incredible with your picks this year. You are now above 75%, having gone 4-0, and which is, I mean, just, uh, I can't believe Vegas didn't, just blowing you up on social media and getting you to come out there, flying you out to the Bellagio, giving you a suite, letting you do the picks. But so far, that's not been the case. Meanwhile, I have been the absolute epitome of mediocrity. I have continued to go two and two, two and two, two and two, two and two. And then suddenly I go three and one, and I'm at 500. I go three and one, and Lars does the math, and I'm still at 500. How does that happen? This is the second time you've done this. Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. You're actually 23 and 21. Excuse me. Why are you uh, doing this to me? Yeah, Lars? I know. Kicking well, everybody's I'm, butt. You don't I'm need glad, butt. I'm glad that you uh, you uh, caught me on that one. Yeah, you're 23 and 21. Um, so, and yeah, that makes a big difference in the entire existence of the world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, 34 and 10 is absolutely unheard of. And I think it's uh, the reason I'm winning at this clip is that I'm not putting money where my mouth is on air. I'm doing different stuff. And uh, while I am on a bit of a, of a, of a run here, uh, a little hot streak, uh, nothing like 77%. Nobody wins 77% throughout the year. I mean, nobody. You know, the well, the best gambler in history uh, um, is like at, you know, 57%, Billy Walters, uh, in a, in, as featured in the the new book, The Gambler, by our buddy Armin Katayan. Um, so, yeah, it's just luck. It's dumb luck is all it is. Well, I don't know. I, you know, if if this had happened the first two, three, four weeks of the year, 
Maybe so. But I mean, I mean there's some on, magic going we're on, on here. What week? I think we're on week 12. Yeah. 77%. But, uh, I don't expect to, uh, continue at this rate. If I, if I do, I am, uh, gonna, Purchase a place in Vegas and and uh, live there half time. Hang on, they'll purchase it for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as they say, those big buildings in the desert weren't built on losers. Uh, they always win. They always win. <laughs> when you go to a casino, is there a particular game that you play? Like I I, I just play blackjack. Yeah, it's about all I play. Yeah, me too. Uh, I don't even I, do the slots either. That's it, uh, just a matter. Of, and and people would like to do that. That's fine. But that's just pulling a lever and pulling a lever. I like to think. I like to try and outsmart. I like to do the odds. I like to do mathematics in my head. I don't count cards. I'm not quite that smart. I'm no rain man. But you can. But, uh, do you do you do you usually do pretty well? Uh. You know, there was for a while that I was doing great every time I played. Last few times, not so much. In fact, the last couple of times, if it weren't for Karen, we'd have lost big. <laughs> and she once doubled down on 16, and I know I'll never understand that. But, uh, and, she, and so, of course, she won. She won. So five seats at the table. Do you'd rather be the, the first, second, third, fourth, or the last person receiving the card? I think I'd rather be last. Uh, yeah. But sometimes I, I would rather be first because I know how to play it. And a lot of other people don't. Yeah, a lot of people don't like sitting in that one that one hole there. Um, I don't mind it because I make the right decisions, you know? And I, you know what? The, the, the worst is when somebody who has no idea what they're doing is sitting in the five spot. And uh, when they make a poor decision... And then that allows the dealer to get a card you wouldn't normally, the dealer yeah, would normally get hit. and end up losing for the whole table. Yeah, they hit on 15 when the dealer's showing 14 and they get a jack. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And Boom. It's Boy, just like, table. man, get Boy. out of that seat. And that's the problem when you're like on the $5 table, right? Or five dollar right. tables don't even there's exist anymore in Vegas. No, I, the last time I was in Vegas. Anymore yeah, no, it's, it's a 20, uh, the $20 table is the cheapest table you can get at the, at the big casinos. I'm sure if you get off the strip, you can find some places that maybe you can find a $10 table, but man, I mean, cause I used to always just go and plant myself at a $5 table, but. I don't even think you can find the $5 table in Mississippi anymore. No, they're not there. In fact, it's very, very rare that they all open up a 10. Because uh, I've been over there recently. and I like going over there. And they're a big sponsor of this radio station, too. And uh, I've, I've had many a pleasant experience over there in Philadelphia, Mississippi. All right, Lars. Tomorrow, what do you say we meet at... Our favorite place on Fridays, Innisfree, the place to be. That all right with you? That sounds good. I can't wait to get some food and drink at Innisfree tomorrow. Look forward to seeing our thousands and thousands of uh, listeners at Innisfree tomorrow. Lined up all the way across the street there on the University Board. Chattanooga. We'll see you. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> for yeah, the mocks. The mighty mocks. All right. Thank you for joining us on Big Noon Sports. Big thanks to Noah, too. Thanks for running the show. See you in 22.